0: you listening to new hope's sermon of the week. We hope you're encouraged and strengthened as you listen to this week's message. Okay, so we're living in a time where we're believing for lots of stuff, lots of promises, lots of things. I mean, yes, it's been always that we were going to go for that kind of thing and, you know, but this time we go, okay, God is doing a new thing, we're in for believing the promises of God, and yet sometimes we have to wait, and I felt today that what I was supposed to do was encourage people to walk through the process, not just the promise, okay? You get the promise and you go, what's wrong with me? I must be some kind of a dork or something, I can't get the hang of this, I don't know what to do, something's wrong with me, I'm not getting the promise yet, I prayed for healing 10,000 million times, I prayed for my kids, I'm praying for things, I know God gave me a promise back, In 1978, no, I'm kidding. Well, some of you might be 1970. I don't know. But God gave me a promise back whenever, and so I've been believing for it, but nothing's happening, and what is the deal? Am I messing up here? Well, here's the thing. is the verse today, the key verse. It's on your bulletin, but only part of it. In Hebrews 6, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, I have said that to so many people lately, one-on-one groups of people, faith and patience. It is a dual thing. Yes, you have faith. You absolutely believe God and his greatness, his goodness, and all that kind of thing. But there is this patience thing, and so then I go, okay. Because we like the instant stories, and some of it feel instant. Like you can go and pray for somebody in the street, and they get healed or something happens, but you better believe somebody's been praying. There's been somebody believing somewhere along the line. It's not just that was the one thing that... It feels like it to us, but on the other hand, God's been working, and so we can know that. So anyway, so faith and patience inherits the promises. So it takes diligence, it says in the first part. We have the full assurance of hope. In other words, we have to hang in there. We have to have hope. Hope is a very big deal, you know, so not just, you know, I'm going to... Not just being tough, but you know what? I have hope in a great God. And then it says not sluggish. The best description I have of sluggish is whatever. We do a lot of that this, these days. Okay, whatever. And it's not a whatever with God. He says, don't, don't become sluggish. So then, and also it says to imitate those who did the faith and patience thing and they got that inheritance. So what I did was I took, who is a great example of faith and patience? And I picked Abraham. What a surprise. The father of the faith, terrific patience, and he is still receiving the promise many hundreds of years after he got it. So I wanna walk us through his life and what I did was I'm gonna do, you, I don't know if any of you remember, there used to be a thing called walk through the Bible, we're not gonna walk through the whole Bible, but there used to be this thing called walk through the Bible and what I did is I took several chapters out of Genesis and we're gonna do a walk through and what I did was I classified them this way, I'm telling you so you know you could do this yourself, but what I did was I took and I, I found the promise in the chapter and then I looked at what was going on in the process because it's encouraging i mean abraham we only get the thing he was a friend of god faith and we are going to talk about that a little bit but there's much more than that abraham went through stuff so we're using him as an example and so uh, if you have a bible i'm big into bibles i gotta say if you have one it's great if you have a phone it's great you want to use it, if it has a Bible on it, if it doesn't, don't talk on your phone, Uh, but you know, like if you have a whatever, and you can follow through, it's great, if you don't, my suggestion for you is that you write down the chapter numbers, because when I speak, my favorite part about it is the preparation, and what I learn before I get here, and so you can take it, and you can do it yourself, God will reveal whatever you need to you for you as well. So we're starting, we're in Hebrews six first because that's kind of where we're starting and then we're going back into Genesis for a f- little overview. So in chapter six, it says in verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. This is God's promise, okay? So I've got them all classified, promise, process. So here's promise. Surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Process. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now that is a condensed version of the whole story in Hebrews. Okay, so he gives us that. And then they, they knew the whole story, But we're go- and we do somewhat too, but we're going to go back there and look at that kind of thing and say, okay, he got the promise, he endured. And it doesn't say he was always wonderful. It says he endured. Sometimes we just hang in there. By that I'm not trying to say get depressed. I'm absolutely not saying that. I'm saying sometimes that's a really good thing to do. So. And then it says in verse 19 of that same chapter, this hope we have as the anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast which enters the presence behind the veil. So in other words we have this hope in a God who doesn't lie, a God who promises, it's sure and steadfast and we enter the presence behind the veil in other words the way has been paid permanently forever for us to go into the presence of God which is great because Jesus went there first. We've been talking about that but that's where we get to go that's where why we have hope in what God's given us as a promise so we're starting then in the book of Genesis in chapter 12 it says now starting at verse 12 also now the Lord said to Abram get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you Okay, there's instructions, here's the promise. Verse two, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's amazing. You know, first of all, we don't know too much about Abraham except where he was from and why God says, hey, I'm gonna bless everybody that blesses you, curse those that don't. You're gonna bless all the families of the earth and that's like why did he pick him? We don't know. It doesn't tell us that. But here he has this guy, and he makes this. I mean, that is like, if somebody said to me, Grace, you're going to bless every family on earth. You're going to be a blessing. All that stuff. i go, honey, you got delusions of grandeur. You're not thi- you get it? Because we don't think like that. But he said it to Abraham, and he goes, okay then. So anyway, and so then the process, so from that promise that God gave him initially, Abram departed as the Lord spoke to him. So he was obedient, first of all, and Lot went with him, which was his nephew, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from his home place, Haran. Okay, 75 years old, he's on his way, but he was obedient. Obviously, he believed God was going to do something, so he gets going the 75 thing is an important thing and you'll see why later when we're talking numbers of years and such okay and then Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan and it basically gives a road trip I mean, it says this is where he went and I don't, that's not important for this. Then we come to the next promise in verse seven. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land. Okay. Out of the blue, mind you, it's just him. He's not with his family. I'm gonna give you this land. How? God doesn't say. And it, but he does say Abram's response to that. It says, and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. That's an important, he keeps going from place to place, wherever God takes him, he builds an altar, which says to me, he's welcoming the presence of God, he's chosen a God he's gonna worship, he loves him, he believes what he has to say, so the thing is, we, sometimes you know you rip through Genesis and you go, okay, and he built an altar and he went here and he built it, what does that say? This is my place of worship, I'm in a new place now, God directed me here, okay, just worship. Okay, he said, go south here. Okay, I worship here too, I build an altar. Lord, thank you for your direction. Someplace else, I mean, how long is he wandering around? uh, I worship you, Lord, here, I'm in a new place. Yep, I worship you here too. Yep, this is the place for my, I worship you here. Wherever he was, he was in a place of worship. And then, as he's going along, he goes down to Egypt, and he, uh, he encounters Pharaoh. And here we see part of his humanness, he has a, a fear issue. Uh, he's got a fear issue that somebody's going to kill him, and, and they're going to kill him because his wife is so pretty, okay? So the, Pharaoh sees her. He takes Sarah. We know this story. That's why I'm kind of ripping through it. But he takes Sarah in, and uh, Abram says, tell him you're my sister because he was a... She, they were half brother and sister, actually. I know that sounds a little weird to us, but that was the case. Same father, different mother. And so, say you're my sister. And so he's kind of hedging with a little deception. He's got a lot of fear going on. Uh, I mean, God's made a promise, but this is part of his process. You know, in the process, maybe I should do something to make sure I survive. So we come up with some of our own answers, some of our own thing. Sometimes it's like little manipulation or whatever. And, of course, Pharaoh gets really ticked off and says, What is this you've done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? And why did you, didn't, did you say she's your sister? And Get out of here, basically, is the deal. That's a paraphrase, okay? So, But that's all in chapter 12 and verse 17, that section. So then he goes on, and he has... Um, He has this nephew Lot and they outgrow each other and their their servants get into big fights with each other and so then Abram says you choose here or there or wherever you want to go. Of course, Lot says, this is great land over here. I'm going over here. Abram says, that's okay. I'm going over here. Not a problem. So he, and the Lord promise says to Abram, after Lot left, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. Did you notice the promises are getting a little bigger? Okay, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth and your descendants also could be numbered arise walk in the land through its length and its width for I will give it to you ooh another promise out of a difficult thing isn't that when the Lord meets us we do something somebody kind of does a number on us you know like somebody takes the great stuff we get stuck with whatever and God says I'm coming through with a promise it's going to be even better than I said the first time so then it says and Abram moved his tent and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar. Lord, Lot just did a number on me, I worship you. Thank you for the promise. I worship you in this place, too. I just worship, worship follows. I mean, worship is key. He built an altar. I worship you, Lord, in this place. Okay. Then we see the next story in this whole thing, and this is chapter 14. There's a big war that goes on, five kings to four kings, and they get in this big battle, and what happens is Lot is living in Sodom and their relatives, and so the kings that win go get them, and take them away, and so they're in all kinds of trouble. So Abram, when he hears that his brother's taken captive, he gets 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit of them. He actually got them, and he brought back the goods and everything about them. That is the beginning of chapter 14. Now that's interesting because you go five kings against four kings, and then we have 318 servants. Interesting. Interesting. But he was not without his battles, I think is the point. Okay, that's part of the process. He gets the pro- yes, he gets the promise, but then he has this process where he has to deal with battles and that kind of thing. So he, he says, okay, so we, we have to do that too. He, he walks through that. He wins. The king of Sodom actually comes and wants to give him money and stuff. He says, no, I don't want your money. I want it, people to know what I get comes from God. I want people to know a promise fulfilled about my life. So then, Genesis 15, verse 15. After these things, word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And then we have this, you see Abram's mental process. And he says, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. What are you doing, God? Did you notice? No babies here. This is babies are not us. <laughs> <laughs> not happening i have somebody in my house but the in there are no babies here and so you know obviously he was processing questions what's the deal dust of the earth i've got a kind of a late start for doing dust of the earth kind of people what am i going to do but you know like it's nothing i can do it's just not happening and god comes back with a promise And says in verse four, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside. This is great. Bigger and bigger, not just dust now. Look toward heaven and count the stars. And if you are able to number them, and he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Universe. And he believed in the Lord. I mean, after all these promises, isn't it amazing? He's got nothing to bank it on in the natural. He's just met God in a number of places. He's worshiped. God's given him promise after promise, reinforced it. He's gotten lots of words from God. But he, this, at this point, he says, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, referring to God, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. And then Abraham comes up with another question. He's still processing, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Now, when you've gotten a promise from God, did you ever ask God some questions? How's that going to be? How are you going to do that? You know, like God will say, you're going to influence many people. You're going to go here. You're going to do that, and you go, "How? That's I got to work. How's that fit? I got a job, or I've got to finish school before I go do whatever that is you're talking about." You know, we we have these conditions. That how do I know that's going to work out that well? And 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 so, God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And God does this at this particular point in chapter 15. And he does a a covenant thing where they cut animals in half and a torch goes between them. But it's a covenant rite, so to speak, you know, where God says, yep, this is my covenant. This is what I'm doing. I'm not going into details. I hope you can all stand this because I'm trying to make a point of process. You follow. The details you could get from any one of these chapters are plenty, I just don't want to do it I'll be, or we'd be here like till next week. So um, so he does this and he says to Abraham during this, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. So he gives them, he's always said there will be lots and lots of them. Then he says they're gonna go through some hard times. It's a description of Egypt, you know. He says this is what's going to happen. And so he tells them, but um but they will return here, but the time of the Amorites is not complete. In other words, they're gonna be back here, but they are going to go through a rough time. So he tells them that, and then the Lord made this covenant, and so we have this covenant at that point in 15. So not only is God given promises, but he's saying, this is your descendants and how I'm going to touch them specifically, who they are, What's going to happen to them? And this is my covenant. Surely they will be back here. They're going to get the promise. Okay, so chapter 16. Then we run into uh, Sarah's response to all the promises in the process. Okay, now Sarai... Abram's wife had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Okay, so so this was a bad idea, um, to say the least. But here's, you fit. We all fit. Okay, so this is you go okay you see that nothing's happening so you go hmm obviously this is not the Lord's will I believed a promise I mean either that or I'm not a part of the thing God gave you a promise he didn't give me a promise it's great he gave all these other people a promise I don't have a promise because obviously it didn't happen I'm not pregnant never have been and I'm old What's going on? So then you say, well, okay then. Obviously, whatever's been happening so far wasn't God's will, so now we have to figure out a way to make something happen that will make the promise come true. So we start to try to figure it out. Timing is involved. You can do poor timing, just the wrong things. I mean, it really was pretty much a disaster what happened with that. Okay? So... Uh, but she tries to figure it out, and she says this is God's will. I mean, it's God, God's will that I'm not pregnant, therefore I'm going to help fix it. You're looking at me funny, Pete? Yep, it's true. Never thought of it that way, maybe. Okay, so anyway, of course her mistress does become pregnant and has the baby, then she gets jealous, and then she blames Abraham. It says, my wrong be upon you, and the Lord judge between me and you, and she gets really ticked off. Um, You know, the thing is, is you could say Sarah's just being uh, a jerk or something, but you think about it. Okay, she's followed this guy around, and every time he comes to a tough place and thinks he might get killed, she's my sister, you can have her. Uh, That's not really nice. I mean, if you went someplace and Tom just decided to give you away, would that, like, fly? No, I don't think so. It just wouldn't fly anyplace. It was not a cool thing. And so when she finally figures out a way and the maidservant gets pregnant and then she's still left, destitute, basically, she blames him. It's part of the process. Isn't that an interesting thing? We get the end story. He's a man of faith, and he was we do see a process of walking it through. Okay, Genesis chapter 17. This is when Abram was 99 years old, 75 plus 24 is 99. So 24 years later, no babies yet. That's a long time to believe. 24 years ago now would be, let's see, 89 in 1989 you got a promise and you're still anybody have promises you're believing from 89 great because i know there are some of you should be believing promises from before that and this should be encouraging but anyway um When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, for your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. That's quite a promise, quite a prophetic word. I mean, if you were saying this was Abraham's presbytery, he got a good word, a really good word. And then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. So we see a name-changing thing. The promise is really at the ultimate thing, and he changed their names because this is, not only had he given them a promise, he changed their identity. I've talked about names before names are who you are names what you're like names who you're created to be we see it all through the bible so there are all these names so he changed their names at this point so yes there was a um, we get the uh, the promises but here i'm making you the kind of person that can receive it both you and your wife changed your name from now on you'll be able to take this. So he does that. And then God said to Abram, okay, after he says this about Sarai, this is I love this. This is the process. Okay, faith just got the I mean, Abram just got the Abraham now. Just got the best promise in the world. And then he listens while God says something about Sarah his wife, and when he hears the promise after Sarah, he fell on his face and laughed. Okay and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old, and shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Okay, so we still see doubt. We still see some struggle with his faith. We still see him laughing, thinking it's hysterical. I think it's interesting that he started laughing after Sarah got a promise. I mean, I don't know what that means exactly, but it's just like, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed after he heard the promise to Sarah. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac or laughter and you shall, uh, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and his descendants after him. And then he said, as far as Ishmael goes, I'll bless him too. And I'm not going on about that. But we get another promise, but we still see the process going on, a fight of faith. We still see him working it out, still struggling to hang in there in one sense. So, chapter 18, we see another thing where Abram, after this uh, particular instance, the uh, God's servants, the Lord, appeared to him by trees in Mamre, and he was sitting at the tent door at the heat of the day, and he looked, and there were three men coming to him, and he ran to meet them, and he said, If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. So then he fed them, and he gave them water. He gave them whatever they needed, And um, because these are the servants that came and basically said, Sarah's going to get pregnant by next year. Okay. 90 years old. So she sa- he says, that's what's going to happen. He says, where's she? She's in the tent, and she's going to have a baby. So then Sarah's listening at the door behind him, and Sarah, of course, laughs. We know that story. They're old and advanced in age. It is beyond the promised time. I, I ju- here's the deal is. Here's what the deal is. We have promises and we say, am I really gonna get them or is it beyond my life at this point? Is it too late? Some of you might not do that because you're young, but let me tell you, some of you old people are still believing for promise. And I say old people, I include myself in it, yeah? Yeah? Are you believing for any promises, Joan? Absolutely. Yay, do you think you're gonna get them? Yeah, but it's the same thing. You've struggled at times, right? At least you're not pregnant. And so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. We're believing long term for these kinds of things. And it's like way beyond our thinking. So this is so interesting. He, okay, so she's old. We know that. She laughs about getting pregnant. But it was after this time that Abraham and goes with Abimelech and he takes thinks Sarah's gorgeous I mean 90 years old see anybody 90 no i don't think so and so she's gorgeous and so again he says say you're my sister <laughs> she had to be one hot chick <laughs> I mean oh my goodness you know you, she's old, and yet he says she still did it. And of course, God got really mad at Abimelech and said, she's this man's wife. Don't you touch her. Get her out of here. That's why you're having so many problems here. And so Abimelech rises in the morning and gives her back to Abraham. Again, says, why didn't you tell me? And of course, he has the excuse. She is kind of my half-sister and, and all that sort of thing. But Abraham is still struggling. You get it? Interesting. And, and even Sarah going along with it. She's supposed to get pregnant this year. Okay, process, not an easy process. All right, but then 25 years later, we see that sure enough, Isaac is born. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. And she conceived and bore a son, and of course they called him Isaac. And Sarah said, "God's made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me." She also said, "Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age." Ha 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 ha! So she laughs. Yep, there's the fulfillment of the promise. But let's think a little bit. Is the promise you will have one baby? That's right. Correct answer. How many? millions like the stars like the dust of the earth but they have one baby and you know what that made them happy but what are they believing for they've get, they get one baby and so they're going to take over a whole country countries and their descendants but they've got one all right so anyway and then God not only says okay you've got one now let's take him and I'd like you to take him and sacrifice him Another test in the process. What's he really testing? Every place he goes, he worships. When he comes to the place with the sun, we're going to go up on the mountain and we're going to worship. And Isaac says, But we don't have a lamb. And then the real promise comes out God will provide a lamb. That's speaking into future because Abraham's life was not just about him and neither is yours. It's just not just about one person, not just one thing. Because what I do, whether you have children or not or whatever, what we do will bear a result for the future to come. Why? Because we're all God's kids. It is what it is. It's not about seeing that one promise. It's about seeing generations, people influence. You may influence one person that influences millions. I was once sang in a church down in North Carolina where Billy Graham rolled around under the pews and played when he was a little child. And you know, which was kind of fun, you know, it was fun standing there imagining it. It wasn't a huge church. You wouldn't say, wow, everybody, that somebody would come from here. It was just a little church. But I looked under there and I thought, you know what? You never know when you're going to influence a Billy Graham. You don't know what's going to happen. What are the promises of God? Who are your kids? You don't know who they're going to be yet. God has a dream. You can't make it happen. Sarah and Abraham couldn't force anything, but God had a promise and it changed the world and still is, which is wonderful. He's still having descendants from every nation. It's wonderful. So we see that temptation and that kind of thing of are are you going to be obedient and sacrifice your son? In Hebrews it says later, he considered God able to raise him from the dead, but he said yes. Yes. So even receiving the promise, he laid it down in the end. That's a lot farther from, oh, honor Eliezer, it'll be fine, just do that, just do something else, we'll just get this promise done one way or the other. Let's have a baby with a maid, Uh, let's do all this kind of stuff to the point where saying, God, you can raise him, you will provide a lamb, you will provide what's needed. And of course, we know at the end of that story, he did provide a lamb, of course. Now, so we see the problem, we see promises all the way through, children, descendants, land, all that sort of thing. We also see the process, struggling with, how do I know this is going to happen? What what does it look like? Fear of I have to survive and I don't know about Sarah. You know, we just see a whole list of struggles that Abraham went through in processing that promise. But he did stay there. Now, we call that endurance. We're talking 25 years of endurance of something that was very, very difficult to believe for, amazingly difficult, impossible to believe for. People that are too old, It was impossible for them to have children at that time in the natural, impossible, and yet they're still walking that through. It says in Romans four, what then shall we say, this is verse starting at, well, Romans four starting at verse one, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and then so we, we again, he believed, and it's not to him who works. The wages are not counted as great. Wait a minute, let me do this again. Not to him who works. The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So in other words, it's by grace, which we've been talking a whole lot, about here. Did Abraham receive grace? Absolutely. It was grace. Are you kidding? Who, how did he happen to get chosen in the first place? It was grace all the way through. You know, so we, we see that he didn't always do exactly the right thing, but he did believe all the way through. Um, so it was a faith that it might be according to grace. Abraham is called the father of us all, so we see the whole promise fulfilled today. God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, talking about Abraham, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was, excuse me, also able to perform, and therefore it was counted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. And it's talking about being justified in that place. In James 2, And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So, we believe, how long? There is no ending to it. That's right, we believe. It's present tense, period. We believe that God's going to actually do what he said. We may not know all the things. You start trying to figure it out and fulfill it yourself, you could run into trouble. But we believe, and we stay. Also, faith is God's friendship language. Abraham believed, and he was counted as a friend of God. Faith is his friendship language. You keep believing. And you see in all this whole story of things, here's the thing that I've noticed that happens is you get a promise and then you go through something really difficult and you say, it must not be God's will. I must have done something wrong. I didn't pray enough. I haven't quoted scripture enough. I haven't done this enough. I have whatever. We can come up with all kinds of lists of things and really beat ourselves over the head and say, I must not have done something right to get this promise done. And actually, as we walk to the next promise which we see this promise to promise to promise as abraham we walk to the next promise okay i hear your promise again not only are you going to do what you said last time but you're going to do more and we struggle and we walk to the next place but we feel a little closer to god and we get another promise and we go thank you very much i receive a promise again And we become closer friends with God. We go a little farther. We screw up. We mess up. We do something really jerky, whatever. God gives a promise again, says, I'm still going to do it. You're still my chosen person for this. We say, thank you very much. And we become closer to God's friendship. We step again. And we have no idea how it will happen. And something that changes everything, like, you know, you're made having a baby his promise still stands. Not only that, but he's going to change my name. He says, I'm not like this anymore. I become a better friend of God. I step to the next place in the process. It's amazing. And that is God's grace. It is his goodness. You just keep getting a promise. You may not have it all straight, but then you take it to the next thing. And God changes us as we walk through the life of faith to from promise to promise to promise to promise. And so faith becomes God's friendship language. Also, one of the lessons we learn as we go from step to step in believing those things is God's answer is not no. But he is engaging in friendship and strengthening. It's not, no, I don't want to do that for you. You don't deserve it. Or you, No, I want to be a better friend. I want to strengthen you. I want go for you to go to the place where your name is changed, and you can be all that. I've promised you a long time ago. Sometimes we get prophetic words, and you go, oh, I'm not even close to that. You know, And we need to take that next step, but we have no idea. I don't know that I can do it. But friendship, strengthening, I'm in process. And then also, it says in 1 Corinthians, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. We walk by faith like Abraham did. We keep doing it. We keep walking in hope that endures and it's the anchor of our souls that holds us steadfast so that we hang in there when it does not look like anything can happen. And we walk in the love of God and the love of each other as we believe and strengthen each other and love each other and say, God gave you a promise, he can do that. All things are possible. And some of you, whether you think you've heard a promise personally yourself, which I think most of us have, but if you haven't, the promises in the Bible are all yea and amen in Christ Jesus. All of them. Find them, walk in them, grow in them, become the friend of God in them. Because that's what he has for. Is it a process? Absolutely, but it does not mean you're a loser because you go through a process. It means you're growing in faith, hope, love, friendship with God. And here's the deal, Abraham's promise is still being fulfilled. Yes, in the Jewish race, you could say it in terms of like he was Jewish, but also, wherever God's people are, those are the descendants of Abraham, the father of faith. Isn't that cool? It's a really wonderful thing. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to pray. I know it's time to go, but I'd like you to pray just for a second and ask God to remind you of a promise he's given you. I'm not gonna give you a long time. This is just a sample. You can do this on your own. But Lord, I pray right now, shut your eyes. Don't look at me. Shut your eyes and um, ask God for a promise to remind you of maybe just one. It's meaningful to you, a promise. Lord, we come to you with whatever promises have come to people's minds. And Lord, we say we choose to stand. We choose to believe. We choose to receive the promises of God. Lord, not only the promises that we can think of right here, because sometimes they're way smaller than yours, but I pray that you will do all you've said, which is way above all we could ask or think. And so Lord, we just bless your name and when we are traveling through this land, as we come to the next place on the journey, we worship and we say, I'm yours. And Lord, give us faith and patience and endurance to inherit the promises, the full promise of God in Jesus' name.